0: To Two for None, my name is Patrick Cullen. I am here with my co-host, the wonderful Christopher T. Barty. Barty, how are you, Captain? How are you feeling following some losses
1: in the ODIs? Oh, um, well, look, uh, melancholy, bittersweet. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, uh, there were a couple of good games, weren't they? There so, oh, were a couple um, of Um, You know, and a new venue, uh, which we'll talk hey. about later on, that was pretty good. What a time to be alive. So, you're feeling like uh, the drink
0: bitter lemon, CTB. Are you feeling like something that you'd have for a special occasion, but maybe slightly on the bitter side of things?
1: Yeah, look, I think definitely the the end of the uh, fifth ODI was lemons. But the stadium was aid. So, you know, lemonade, I guess. (laughs) Straight up lemonade. Straight up lemonade. I like it. Uh, As always,
0: we've got another big episode coming at you, ladies and gents. We're going to talk some WBBL, as is our want. Uh, We'll wrap up the last two ODIs. We'll preview the 2020s. And we might hear from Tom K. Hawkey at the end. And I can only imagine how smug he's going to be now. He was smug last week. He's going to be off his chops this week, CTB. I'm not sure how we're going to cope.
1: Yeah, well, we've, look, we've known talking for a little while, and um, last time we got too arrogant, we uh, waxed off one of his sideburns. So <laughs> <laughs> let that be a warning Ooh, to you all. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, goodness. Uh, let's talk some WBBL, CTB. A uh, couple of pretty exciting games this week. I uh, wanted to start, I know this was a little while ago now, but I wanted to start with the tip of the hat mm. to Alyssa Healy, mm. uh, who made 100 for the Sixers against the Strikers. Years. Uh just massive. That was back on the 27th of Jan, but just massive. Uh, and she celebrated in style as well. Mm-hmm. Really held that innings together mm-hmm. to get the Sixers home and beat the Strikers. Uh, Talia McGrath, friend of the pod, uh, mm-hmm. made a solid 44 in that first inning, though, mate. So, uh, well done to the Strikers there.
1: We do like seeing McGrath making runs. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't happen that often. Um, <laughs> history tells us. So... Um, more referring to Glenn than Talia there, but uh, no, it's terrific to see her amongst the runs for sure.
0: There is also, in the Strikers lineup, CTB, a Caitlin Pope. Right. Now, I got very excited because I wondered if Caitlin Pope could be related to the Cardinal Lloyd Pope. Right. Um, and I went to her quick info bio page and she is ginger, but I could find no link between Caitlin and Lloyd Uh over over the internet anywhere, so I wonder if it's pure happenstance. Sure, but wouldn't
1: that be a thing of beauty? The red pipes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, hey, it would, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be a thing um, to have a couple of red pipes? Normally, of course, you associate them with the colour white. True, which is a famous cricketing colour in its own way, I suppose.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And being both ginger, they probably have suffered that in their skin tone lives sure, sure. Uh, as a buy. So it all comes together, I think. Uh, they had another matchup recently, the Strikers and the Sixes. And Alyssa Healy continued that good form. She's got a 63 in that most recent mm-hmm. game. Elise Perry's kind of been a bit quiet of late CTB.
1: Do you right. think
0: that she's going to be bouncing back any moment?
1: Um, 200 runs... In an Ashes Test match earlier in the summer, uh, you know, one of the great performers for the Australian women's cricket team over the last decade. Um, I'm always uh, prepared to go with the way to numbers, Pat, and I think she'll be back. These are just a couple of outliers for it, mate.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I think you're right. Uh, it does mean the Sixers are on the top of the table, CTB. Mm-hmm. The Thunder are sitting in second, and of course, your beloved Perth Scorches are sitting in third. Did you get a chance to go and see the Scorches game this week? Were you back out at Lilac Hill? Were you in and around the area? What was, what's was what been going on for you?
1: No, it's really interesting, right? Um, the... Um uh, as we'll touch on later on, I was fortunate enough to go to the one-day international between Australia and England at the new Perth Stadium. Mm-hmm. And one of the really cool things that was happening was that uh, as the uh, WBBL was going on throughout the afternoon, I think they were playing over East uh, in Melbourne, I believe. Campbell Sports Cam- Ground. Yep. yep. Um, they The PA was actually announcing... Uh, score updates as they came through so and, and putting them on the big screen so everyone was right across what was happening and, and then when the scorchers got the w um, there was a big uh, parochial roar from the west australian crowd for their for their local team so that was nice to see um i did see that uh my mate nicole bolton uh put in another good performance um uh, amongst the amongst a couple of others um when they were sort of chasing a relatively low total so um yeah, as I said, great to see. And, uh, you know, the, the Perth community is certainly getting right behind the WBBL, which is brilliant. It can
0: be a tricky thing when you're chasing 110 to 115. It's one of those ones where you really just don't want to stuff it up. You know, like, yep. <laughs> you're sitting there in the dressing room, it's been like, oh, look, we held them to 115. Let's all not get rolled for 40. <laughs> <So> yeah, that's <laughs> right.
1: Really yeah, so. yeah. The, old, the old paralysis by analysis. <laughs> it's actually happened to me
0: in a, in a grade game where... Uh, I actually got a couple of wickets for, for a change in my life CTB and we were only chasing 120, 125 to win and we managed to absolutely screw the pooch. <laughs> <laughs> and yours truly at number eleven was coming out to bat needing forty on the board and it uh it was not a happening thing. So I'm pleased to see the Scorchers <laughs> the Scorchers uh didn't follow the Pat Cullen trip to the uh sheds to, you know, lose a the game themselves.
1: I like how you build that up though. Uh you certainly gave it a you know, a good uh Good preamble, and then no. look,
0: Chris. It was you last week. You talked about um, Bobby Quiney making a beautiful nine. Yeah. Let me tell you, I made one of the most well-crafted 2s you've ever seen. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was two off about thirty, yeah. and it was uh, just just beautiful. Christ, just beautiful. Uh, CTB, we're heading into finals of the WBBL. Well, they have got a bit closer. We talked earlier in the year saying that this, the Sydney teams would be hard to beat. Are you standing by that, mate? Do you think it's going to be the Sixers or the Thunder that take this one out?
1: Well, I tell you what, um, even though it's a Thunder home game, they will be playing at the New Perth Stadium. Um, because uh, the WBBL will be a curtain raiser for the men's semi final uh, right. between the Perth Scorchers and the uh, Hobart Hurricanes. So it's kind of, I mean, it, you know, what a privilege for the <laughs> Sydney Thunder. You play a great, uh, great uh, season, and then your reward is to travel across the country and play away from your home ground <laughs> <laughs> at no other place than the home of your opponent. So. Uh, not really much in the way of an advantage there. So, you know, the Scorchers could potentially cause an upset. They certainly hit their straps at the right time. Um, that being said, the Sydney Thunder have been the form side all year. Um, so we'll see how that goes. The other one is also, you know, pretty difficult to pick. I think you know the Adelaide Strikers are doing really, really well. They've got a terrific, uh, a terrific side, um, as we've talked about throughout uh, throughout the podcast this summer. Um, that I think uh, you know uh, could surprise some. And again. Funnily enough, um, that game will be held at the Adelaide Oval, despite the fact that the uh, Adelaide Strikers are listed as the away team Um, because the men's team, uh, the men's Adelaide Strikers, um, have a home semi-final. So the women are are going to be playing a curtain raiser. So the two Sydney sides have kind of copped the uh, rough end of the pineapple here Um, (laughs) and it could uh, cause for a a boil over. A boiled pineapple.
0: (laughs) It could cause for a boiled pineapple. Dare we say it, it could even cause for a Hawaiian pizza. Oh. Uh, I'm, sure that'll, oh, hey, oh, I'm sure that'll cause some contention on the Facebook page. Look, uh, I think, I'm with you, CTB. There's a chance the Scorchers could upset the Thunder and set themselves up. I don't know if the strikers had the firepower to beat the Sixers in the semi-final Um, Just judging from the last two games they've played, Mm -hmm. I just think that, especially with Lisa Healy in such great form at the top of the order, they're going to need to get quick wickets early uh, and if they succeed in that, they might get there. They've just been beaten twice in the last sort of two weeks sure. by the Sixers. So if, unless the strikers pull one out of the hat and have some serious home ground advantage, I'm going to be backing mm-hmm. the Sixers mm-hmm. there. But CTB, let's just hold our, our bloody fingers crossed and think to ourselves that it could well be a Scorchers Sixers final yeah that's my ambitious pick
1: right okay so you, you go on the underdogs look for me i think it's still going to be an all sydney final um i i think um they have been the form teams all season um if one side is is potentially susceptible like oh god it's hard to say isn't it we picked the sixes at the, at the start of the season um they are a very strong side on paper um Uh, But, you know, they've sort of proven throughout the season that they are beatable. So I've got to say, I think they might be susceptible to the strikers there. So who knows? But um, at this stage, I'll be picking an all-Sydney final, I think, just. And
0: while we're on the shorter form of the domestic game, CTB, let's just briefly touch on the men's game there too. Um, Scorchers versus the Hurricanes this week mm. in uh, the men's BBL. Sure. Strikers versus the Renegades. Um, I think the Renegades are going to be pretty hard done by with no Aaron Finch. Um, oh, yeah. That really ten them hard. Uh, Scorchers are, of course, missing a couple of Aussies as well. But G- Tim Payne came out in the press today saying that all the pressure was on the Scorchers. Um, the Hobart inclusion reckons that, uh, yeah, all the, all the weight of expectation is sitting on the Scorchers' shoulders there. The Hurricanes are the underdogs. How do you feel about
1: that, mate? Well, I think he's right. The, the Hurricanes are certainly the underdogs. They were absolutely rubbish in their last outing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were abysmal. Um, not to put too far the point no, out, but they were the, terrible. They were not good. Um, in their last outing <laughs> against the bottom-placed Melbourne Stars, they had that game on ice, only to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, uh, funnily enough, we mentioned Robbie Quiney before. That was Robbie Quiney's uh, final domestic game, and I think also Kevin Peterson, is farewell. He was well-
0: KP's the, last, that's true.
1: The, B- the BBLs. So they lifted. Um, the Hurricanes did not. Um, look, the Hurricanes have some nice pieces in their team. Um, I particularly like this Jofra Archer fella. I think he's going to be particularly handy. I believe mm. of West Indian descent, but he's hoping to play for England. Um, oh. So not like un- another, uh, not unlike seventy percent of the English side from somewhere else. <laughs> um, but but uh, he, look, he's a great player. Um, you know, a lot of love for George Bailey. I think he's a terrific player as well um you know matthew way we know can do some damage um and i don't mind uh, clive rose either but uh i think it's a bit of bluster from t-pain i think i think he's he's trying to pump his boys up um but i think on a home deck in front of a i'm sure what will be a sellout crowd apparently they're expecting uh fifty-five thousand for the perth scorches wow um next well tomorrow on thursday so um, and Sean Marsh coming back into the lineup for the Scorchers is a big inclusion. Ooh, so um, huge inclusion, CTB. Look nice of the Hurricanes to make the trip. <laughs> <laughs> hope they enjoy their time in Perth. Look,
0: uh, yeah, going uh, to Kings
1: Park. What fortunately are- for them, it is a the benefit of of being the underdogs in 2020 is that it is a short game, so they short should game. only have to endure three hours of pain, um, and then they can have a look around uh, and then go home. uh and that'll be their season so i me. what about
0: what about strikers and the renegades mate who are you picking out of that one uh
1: that's that'll also be a really good game i think look um i think you're right like you know this is some big outs for um for the renegades there in terms of uh aaron finch of course who um you know is such a powerful striker and Bowls and captains aside, and he's a good thinker, and all that kind of thing.
0: Strikers, of course, have lost Billy Stanlake, which is a huge blow to their yep. bowling lineup. Big Billy's been in just top shelf form. And how do you replace a guy who's, you know, seven foot tall and bowls 140k's? You know, yeah. <laughs> not easy. Where are you going to find another one of those?
1: Not, uh, well, yeah, seven footers, uh, they're not, not a diamond dozen. And um, Alex
0: Carey as well, Chris. Mm. Um, Alex Carey, you know, he's just made 100 only recently. He's out of the side as well. He's off playing with the Australian team. So a couple of big outs for both sides. I'm finding that one really tough to pick. I guess you've got to pick the strikers at the Adelaide Oval. I don't know.
1: Yeah, look, it's, look it's, I think it's going to be a really interesting contest. I think the Renegades have, have done a great job all season. I think the strikers probably deserve to go in favourites. Um, and I would expect them to get the job done at home. Um, I think they probably just have um, a smidgen too much firepower. Um, just bring up that side here. I think um, certainly Jake Weatherall's a great player. Uh, Jonathan Wells, uh, Jake, Jakey Lehman, of course, the son of God. Oh. Um, <laughs> the second coming. The second coming. Indeed. The SOB, son of boof. Um <laughs> I like that. Yeah, look, I think there's some, some good uh, good talent there for the strikers. I'll, I'll back them in to get the, get the job done, mate.
0: Well, CTB, I think the other player we need to mention in this whole scenario is Darcy Short, um, who's yep. an out for the Hurricanes as well. Darcy Short's T20 record, just by the by. He's uh, got 702 runs and an average of 39 um, after only 19 games. That's mm. pretty sensational. Um, he also has taken seven wickets. Which is pretty handy for a bat. So I'm expecting big things from him in the um, 2020 series. We'll get to that at the end. But if it comes down to it, CTB and it's the Scorchers and the Strikers, it's hard not to see the Scorchers having a direct path to
1: claiming their their next title. Yeah, look, I, oh, I mean, I, I think it'll be a, it's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, if there's if there is a side that could potentially upset them, um, I think the Strikers would be it. Um, but you're right. You know, I mean, they're just such a, a a well-drilled unit. not Not only their preferred starting eleven, but I think you know we've seen over the course of um, this season and a couple of seasons just the depth that they have. Um, you know, and the fact that they're able to cover, you know, so many injuries and and you know players that would easily sort of slot into their first choice eleven. You know, for for example, Colton Isle and Berendorf yeah. and. Um, Joel Paris and, and you know these sorts of guys um, they just seem to find a way which is absolutely fantastic and I, I think a lot of credit probably has to go to the leadership team of Justin Langer and, uh, and Adam Voges
0: they have really been quite spectacular those two Voges tactical now is only probably rivaled by uh, Owen Morgan Uh, which, you know, brings us quite nicely to the ODI series that Australia has lost 4-1 to Mm. England. And you can hear the sound of my heart breaking, Chris. If you can hear that small crack happening in the background, that is the sound of my breaking heart. Uh, England, Australia won in Adelaide, which was awesome. Uh, and wonderful to see and then we lost by 12 runs in the last one which you attended at new Opta stadium ctb mm. and maybe we should start there with the with the loss um how much did you watch that ctb in the stands and wish to yourself that michael bevan was in that team <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know james faulkner or you know michael hussey yep. any one of those finishes ctb we oh. needed a finisher
1: Well, I mean, the situation was set up perfectly for Glenn Maxwell, wasn't it, really? Um, Had an opportunity there. Did try to bat, uh, you know, um, watchfully. But it was a frustrating old old day. Look, I think to start with the England innings, you know, they got off to an absolute flyer. Jason Roy um, and Johnny Bairstow just uh, got them off to an absolute flyer. Uh, and it wasn't really we we're really sure how Australia were going to peg them back they were looking at 350 400 there for once at one stage but uh, in came the local man uh, AJ ty um, who absolutely put the brakes on them and also Mitchell Marsh bowled extremely well which, yeah. which was great to see um, bowled really really well so England sort of went from a really really healthy position um, at
0: uh, sort of four for 157 five for 192. That's right. And yeah. then they fell away quite rapidly well, not, at the yeah, end. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's right. So, the ones one for 71, two for 117, um, you know, and when, for the duration of the opening partnership, they've gone at roughly eight and over. Um, and uh, look, they, they did fall away really quickly and lost a lot of cheap wickets. So, Australia did quite well to restrict them to 259. Um, and it was great to see that uh, AJ Ty was able to take the first five for, on his home ground. and clearly really, really special moment. Um, I think when he, um, at the start of the day, he had an ODI bowling average of 41. By the end of the day, he walked away with one of about 21. And I believe um, wow. a paycheck as well of, in the order of $1.4 $1.4 million. 4 million. It was a cracker of a day in, for AJ Tyre. Thank a, you, IPL. IPL. So, Um, that was all really really good to see and and you sort of got the sense that look australia should be able to uh to walk this in without too much difficulty and um they lost warner early um and look he has been a little bit out of sorts davy as we've talked about Mm. um but
0: well he said he's apparently davy's feeling a bit stung by his worst ever series right Uh, he's made 73 runs in five games against england Um, it's the first time it's averaged less than 15 in an ODI series with three or more matches. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty palpable difference, mate. That's, that's pretty huge. Um, but CTP, what did you think of the ground? Brand new ground, brand spanker. How was the ground? How was the pitch? How were the facilities? Did you go and put some money down on an ice cream? Did you get an artisanal pop? These are all questions that people want to know. (laughs) Look,
1: the artisanal pops were certainly not available at Perth Stadium. Um, um, and actually, outrageous. I, I couldn't uh, couldn't locate an ice cream. To be honest, I had to. S- I settled for a picnic. Uh, picnic. Oh yeah, good, good, Picnic chocolate bar, uh, which was yeah, you know, wasn't bad. Um,
0: uh, but and at seven dollars was probably a steal <laughs> for the price.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, but on the whole, I've got to say very positive. Um, I thought you know the ground is visually spectacular both outside and in. Um, you know, there's. Um, where i was seated with my colleague uh tim burns um friend of the pod hello Burnsy, if you're listening uh, hello uh, friend of the pod he does listen it's uh he, he told me so um i'll test him on this later <laughs> um, but um, we were sitting in the you know in in the third tier um which was um you know some way some way away but you got a really good view of the ground um uh which was great um The pitch itself was quite green, so, um, you know, that was good to see because I think it offered a little bit for the bowlers. Um, Quite although- green,
0: Chris. I think that's the understatement of the year. I've seen parts of the Amazon that were less green than that thing.
1: Yeah, which is really interesting because you know you think those conditions would have favoured Mitchell Stark, but he he had a pretty ordinary old day, uh, did Mitch? Yeah. Um, but anyway, the um, you know, and one or two CTP that really
0: bounced as well. Oh. A
1: couple that went into freaking orbit. Well, that and that was interesting too because you know they there were a couple of like fuller deliveries that uh, really lifted off the pitch. Uh, you know, sort of late in the lifetime of the ball, if that makes sense. So at, at times when you'd probably be expecting the, the um, flight of the ball to be dying down a little bit, it actually just picked up. And, and it sort of made it really difficult, I think, for Tim Payne. But um, that was it. So that was interesting. Um, I thought, um, you know, the as I said, the, the the ground itself from from the outside is, is really spectacular. Um uh, I was able to, uh, you know, get to and from the ground relatively easily. Um, there's a, a footpath that takes you to East Perth train station. I could just uh, uh, hop on uh, on the train home, which was great. Um, I know it wasn't everybody's favourite thing, and by all reports, there were some difficulties with the Joondalup line. But you know, all in all, I think for day one they could measure the as success. Um, I think. When are there not
0: difficulties with the Gondalup line, though, Chris? <laughs> I think nearly everybody in Perth has either been held up or robbed on that particular line. Um, I, I just, I just think that's just the way that that is. But that sounds like a pretty big success, mate. Yeah, it sounds like you enjoyed success. yourself.
1: Look, some other things too. I thought I thought that were brilliant. Um, was uh, it, the stadium enjoyed its first streaker.
0: Um, oh yes. Yes, who sadly didn't get the kind of shoulder in the head that Andrew Simons dished out a few years ago.
1: Yeah, look, it's streakers are, are funny ones, aren't they? Because in I, I totally understand that you don't want to put the player at risk and the uh, players at risk, and you know, we can't be encouraging this sort of behavior too much because you know, you don't want to be disrupting the flow of the game and etc. 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 Um, so I do understand all of that, you know, and, and I understand security's got to do their thing. Um, but uh, one of the my, one of the things that I thought was a little bit unnecessary was that the um, the striker was quite clearly in better physical condition uh, than some of the security <laughs> staff.
0: He did elude them quite significantly. Yeah, he was he did, quite elusive.
1: He was elusive. He was a elusive striker. Um, you know, he he sort of did a few uh, bobs and waves and. Um, he stepped
0: out of a tackle too. He's like the uh the greased up guy on on Family Guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, just did a couple of campy
1: goose steps and, um, you know, Sold so so I a few a, packets a really of noodles. Issue. But then at the end of his at the end of his run, he he um surrendered, uh you know. So he was you know he's clearly understood what he was doing and like kind of, and he surrendered, and he put he motioned his hands out as if to um uh to say look cuff me fellows cuff me. One of the things I thought was a little bit unnecessary was at this point, one of the security guards who he'd given the uh, Don't Argue to um, just absolutely gave him the, the uh, old JBL clothesline from hell um, <laughs> and just absolutely clobbered the guy. And I just thought, and, and he was he was roundly booed for it. And I just thought, well, you know, that's a bit unnecessary because, you know, he's handing himself over. He's caused no harm. Let's use a bit of common sense. Um, he's naked. So he's got... No weapons. Um, Let's let's not clobber the bloke. You don't want to break his neck. So that was... But, you know, I mean, they they obviously wanted to to prove themselves and I suppose that's fair enough.
0: Development today around that CTB, the gentleman in question, the streaker, has set up a crowdfunding campaign to pay his fine. And I really don't know how I feel about that. I mean... You, you know, you make the choice to go and streak, sure. and it was a bit of fun to watch watch the man run around. And I did enjoy his campyzy goose steps, but I think it shows a fair degree of cheek to make the rest of you know everyday Australians pay for your fine well, for doing that. Look, I think that's a bit of a long bow. <laughs>
1: well, yes, um, he showed us uh, one form of cheek, and now he's showing another. Um, <laughs> it's not the first cheek he showed. <laughs> Whether or not this is the second long bow he's drawn, I couldn't say. Was we real fast and well. said third tier, didn't I? Couldn't say much. <laughs> um, but, uh, look, I, by all accounts, the guy's 23. Uh, I think uh, probably showed a little bit of a lack of maturity to streak in the first place. And probably now shows a little bit of lack of uh, lack of tact, um, again, to set up the GoFundMe page. That being said, he's well within his rights to do it. So if you want to donate to it, I guess it's your money and you do what you got to do. Um, but I look, uh, I think from my perspective, he needs to wear this one and uh, get on with it.
0: I, I'm absolutely with you, mate. Uh, I don't know that you'd be able to ride it off as a tax deduction either. I'm sure there's a lot more, <laughs> more charitable organizations to throw your money at. But bloody, in a way, good on him. Uh, at the end of that innings, in England ended up making 259 uh yes this is in Perth at the end of that innings they ended up making 259 Joe Root top scored with 62 in that innings uh Thomas the date the the dried raisin Curran uh chipped in pretty well as well there was some late hitting mm. at the end uh the Australians came out to bat and mate how unlucky was Marcus Stoinis not to get that 100 out on 87 caught by Curran bowled by Rasheed Rashid has just been incredible and Moen and Ali ended up with three wickets
1: in yeah. Perth
0: like what is going
1: on look it's funny um, you know sort of upon reflection in the game there were a couple of key, key moments I think in Australia's run chase that really cost them the game um, first of all Travis Head's run out was unnecessary I thought um, look, I, I don't think he can lay the blame of the failed run chase at the feet of Marcus Thoinus. As we said, he, he made a really well made um, eighty-seven. Um, and coming in he like
0: bumped up to three in that game, yeah. and he played really well.
1: And coming in a, in it, a uh, you know, as you say, an, an unfamiliar position. I think doing a reasonable job, so he'll probably get a guernsey next time around in that position. Um, but I thought his dismissal again, um, was unnecessary. So, um, it was just kind of a strange shot. All I think at that, at that time, all they needed was about four, four and a half and over. So they, they could have just continued to work it around. Um, instead he's sort of gone the slog down the ground and got caught out. And it was pretty, you know, I mean, maybe it was a mist mistimed time shot and all that kind of thing. And batsmen make mistakes, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was disappointing because it would have to finish the game off would have really capped off a a great innings and probably stamped his uh, inclusion aside for a lot longer. Um, Steve Smith sort of, you know, struggled again and and, and got out to a bit of a nothing shot um, off Moen Alley. Oh,
0: how was Moen's catch, though, off Mitchell Marsh? Yeah. Holy moly, CTB.
1: So the funny thing, I think, was, you know, Moen Alley, you know, first of all, pulled off arguably the court and bowl of the summer. And in the summer, we've seen some phenomenal court and bowls. Um, I think some of the best in recent memory. And I think this was probably the best of the lot because Mitch Marsh absolutely creamed that.
0: Oh, mate. It was right out of the screws.
1: Um, and he was looking all right. I mean, you know, we talk about well-made uh, nines. This was a pretty well-made 13. <laughs> um, and a
0: beautiful 13. Just,
1: You know, just unlucky there. So um, Maxwell, again, I thought bowled pretty well. but Sorry, battered pretty well. Uh, for his 34, but the story of the day really, from that point on, was Tom Curran. He was the destroyer. Um, Australia just couldn't get him away. I thought Tim Payne was valiant. Um, Indeed. You know, took a lot of time to took a lot of time to, I guess, establish himself and get going. But I thought did the best that he could in difficult situations. Um, particularly given the amount of time that he was expected to bat with. Uh. uh more so, a tie and Zamper, um, but he, you know, gave Australia a chance to win, and, and then the, at the end of the day, Karen was just too good. I think they got to about thirteen required of thirteen after a spectacular ramp shot from Tim Payne.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, Sean walked into the room, my partner Sean walked into the room just as that ramp shot occurred and she literally pointed to the television and was like,
1: what was that? Uh,
0: yeah, having
1: never seen a ramp
0: before, uh, yep. Timmy Payne blew her mind what? Uh, and I'm sure he did blew the minds of many of us around the country.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, look, I thought, you know, got got Australia in with a, a reasonable chance to win and I, I don't think you can ever blame anything like that um, at the feet of uh, of the tail enders either, so... Um, for me, you know, and I, and I thought, you know, Mitchell Stark will probably look back on this game and think it wasn't one of his better ones either. Um, you know, didn't bowl brilliantly, and and uh, of course, yeah. um, you know, took a wicket off a no ball, which happens. Um, but one for
0: sixty three off nine. He went for seven and over. He had a wide no ball as well, which isn't particularly like Starky, and it was such a costly no ball as well. So yeah. so painful.
1: So. You know, uh, Australia, this Australian one day one-day team's got a bit of work to do, but I think it's better to be having these losses now. Iron out the kinks, work out who's going to be in your best 11 moving forward, because we do have a World Cup coming up next year.
0: The arrival of AJ Ty as an option. You know, as a fast bowling mm. option, in the one-day side is great news. And to see that he can take five for against a very, very good England side was, was wonderful to, for us because, I've got to be honest, it, it made me feel, this. in fact, this whole summer has made me feel a little less confident in our fast bowling stocks than I did at the right. start of the summer. Um, and I say that because our bowling attack, when it's not Stark Hazelwood-Cummins, um, hasn't looked as good you know what I mean? So, when we didn't have those guys together in Melbourne, it sure. wasn't as an ideal. And we've had to rest and rotate players through the one-day series. And it meant that we, we haven't been able to put our best team on the park every game. I mean, those guys need a rest, man. They've had a huge summer, and I totally get that. But it was great to see that Andrew Ty is there, and he's ready to go, and he's ready to take wickets and contribute with the bat. Um, guys like Chad Sayers are around as well, I know. And, you know, the entire South, Af- South Australian, sorry, should I say, pace attack is, is very, very solid. Mm. But it's such a bigger step to come up into into the main game. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a big leap to sure. make.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, um, you know, the, one of the advantages of playing so much short-form cricket now is that, um, you know, the Australian selectors will get plenty of opportunity to have a look at some of the various different... Uh, pace bowling options that we have um look you know would it have been nice to perform better in the odis than we did absolutely um for me the issue so much is in our pace attack um, as what's going on um you know with our batting order you know i don't think it's a settled lineup i i think in many ways our uh, odi batting lineup is is where our test lineup was um, two summers ago, you know, the, I think they're shuffling a few guys in and around that top six. For me, your automatic inclusions at this stage would be, uh, Finch and Warner at the top as your preferred opening partnership. Um. You know, I've seen enough of Stoinis to think that he can be in our best eleven. So I'm happy to put him at number three if that's where they want to bat him.
0: It was Me too, mate. And on that, it means that you break up him and Mitchell Marsh if you're going to have them both in yeah. the same side. That having a bit split up in the batting orders, I think, is a bit more of a balanced option.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think um, you know Steve Smith bats so well at number four in the. Test match arena, um, and I like him at number four in in the one day setting as well, um, simply because it just adds a bit more meat to our middle order and it it makes it a little bit more solid. I back and do you know it's you know Steve Smith, so he'll be fine. Um, Yeah, you know number five, I'm uh, in the batting order. I'm I'm not too sure about again. I I think that there's a place for Mitch Marsh. I think he's in our best ODI team. Uh, I guess a player that I have a question mark over at the moment is probably Travis Head um you know he certainly brings a lot of uh, you know well by all accounts brings a lot of leadership some part-time spin um batted quite well in adelaide um you know and of course is is, uh uh, the captain of south australia i believe but um just not yeah me personally not quite sold just yet but i'm sure he'll prove me wrong um (laughs) the other one too which is interesting is the keeping position um look again i think tim payne you know has done Okay. Um, he's a good keeper. He's a good team man. Um, scored a couple of runs. Um, but, you know, would would we be better off uh, selecting perhaps a better, a more recognised batsman in the one day setup, uh, like a Peter Hanscom um, or the like? I'm not sure. So. Um, Interesting, CTB. Yeah. Interesting. I think we'll have to wait and see. I, I think there's a few missed opportunities there um, over this series. We've been in, you know, really giving ourselves a chance to win most games. Um, It's just been a matter of losing, really losing wickets at critical times, which has been the biggest problem.
0: Yeah, indeed, Chris, indeed. Uh, let's take a little trip back in time and finish the ODI series talking about something positive, uh, which was the Hazelwood and Cummins show down at the mm. Adelaide Oval where they just absolutely demolished the Palms. It made me feel like we were back in the test series again, CTB. It brought, it brought <laughs> me very much joy. Uh, it, it culminated in the England being five for eight which was just a beautiful thing until Owen Morgan combined with Moen Ali to set the ship back right, and Chris Wokes. How amazing has Chris Wokes been with the bat in the one-day series, mate? He's been a whole yeah. different guy.
1: Look, he's got to, for me. He would have had to have been player of the series, I think. Um, just made such a big difference with uh, bat uh, in that lower order.
0: Absolutely spectacular. 78 there off 82, strike rate 95, four fours and five sixes. I mean, that is just intergalactic. Uh, Tommy, the date current contributed as well with 35 off 35 at the end there. I mean, it was really Mm -hmm. that tail wagging like it did. It sucks to be on the other end of that. Don't you think that sucks? Like the amount of time (laughs) that Australia's tail wags and you sit there kind of thinking to yourself that it's free runs. Um, yeah. And then being on the other end, you just like
1: just bowl him out. Do me a favour. Uh, He's a pretty handy bloke to have come in number ten. I tell you what, well, that's um, true.
0: He's classy for a number ten, far absolutely. out. Absolutely. Um, Pat Cummins ended up with four for twenty-four in that innings, and I thought he bowled spectacularly, Chris. How great has the return of Pat Cummins been for our lives?
1: Oh, brilliant, brilliant, great to see him performing at his uh, near his peak. Um, And hopefully he can stay fit for a while to come. Shame to see
0: uh, Adam Zampa. Didn't really take many wickets there. I was hoping that Zampa in Adelaide would be a bit more of a threat. I think he kept it pretty tight, though, which was nice to see. Uh, The Australian batting was led by Travis Head, um, who batted really, really well in that innings. 96 of 107 looked the goods. Mm. Uh, The Bear made three. Steve Smith... Continued his his struggle with against the spinners, which is so unlike him. Um, I, yeah, I think I think Michael Hussey said today that that he reckons that Smith and Stark and Hazelwood and Warner, for that matter, are all just looking a little bit fatigued. Um, sure. I can absolutely understand that, and and more than likely, uh, Warner will bounce back in the twenty twenties. Uh, and then Andrew Tye finished off that game by running a critical three Australia one. Uh, by a run, which was great, with three wickets, two wickets in hand, which is which was pretty solid C T B, and it was nice to feel that, that we weren't going to lose five nil, um, and even that we might win three two. But England were just mm. too strong for us in Perth.
1: Yeah, look, they were, and and you know, for me, Tom Curran was the difference. Um, he is something that England can um, be really pleased with. I think over the summer, obviously, made his debut in the uh, in the Test arena. And has been uh, a massive difference maker in the ODIs. And I'll tell you what, England are looking the goods um, for uh, a strong performance at a Home World Cup next year, that's for sure. They really are.
0: They've got to be the favourite for that, mate. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for any other side to touch them, but India, I guess.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Maybe uh, South Africa.
0: I mean, you never know South Africa, really, but I don't know that we're going to... I mean, at this point, in English conditions, I think that they're going to be far and away the favourites.
1: Yeah, look, they've they've been the uh, you know arguably the best ODI o- 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 mm. side of, of the past uh, eighteen months. So who knows? Um, you know, England not traditionally associated with uh, success in the shorter forms the, of the game, uh, with the exception of one T Twenty tournament. So it, it is interesting. Um, I guess we'll wait and see, but they certainly look ominous at the moment.
0: CTB let's turn our attention forward to the the 2020 series upcoming it's funny isn't it this this week we celebrated the um the the first 2020 international game uh Ricky Ponting was interviewed by uh Glenn Maxwell of all people about it and they showed some footage and it was hilarious. I don't know if you remember mate, but the Kiwis came out in fake afros and uh, right. with excellent facial hair and like in 80s New Zealand cricket outfits. Yes, yep. yep. Uh, Glenn McGrath pretended to bowl the underarm ball yes. <laughs> at Eden Park for a gag. Uh, it was it was all a laugh. And and Ponting was saying that they really didn't think it was ever going to go anywhere. They thought it was just going to be a promotional tool. And 2020 has become this behavior which has changed all aspects of the game and now it really has to be taken quite seriously, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think what um, 2020 is great for is engaging the the casual cricket fan, um, you know, and, and um, it is a way of, I think, um, getting people involved and interested in the game who otherwise perhaps might have passed the television or, or passed the uh, local park and sort of gone, had a look and sort of gone, I don't get it. Um, it's not for me, there's nothing I can grab hold of. Um, but, you know, anyone who watches, uh, uh, you know, cricket or beat t 20 cricket can grab hold of a six. You know, you don't have to be a genius to be able to, yeah. to see what a spectacular hit looks like or, you know, what a fantastic catch looks like or that kind of thing. And, you know, if one of you complains about cricket is that it's too long... Um, though that's not a complaint that I hold. Um, Me either. Bring, bring time- <laughs> you're listening to the wrong podcast. That's right. I bring back <laughs> Tests. I don't know. So bring it back whatever draw. Um, but uh, look, I think it's great from that perspective, and um, you know, I think it's been a brilliant vehicle to grow the women's form of the game. Um, yes. So that's been fantastic. Um, so it's, it's great from that point of view. And I think the other thing too that it brings um, is exposure. Um, to um, some other cricketers that we may not otherwise be exposed to. So perhaps in in years gone by, you know, you you would have been exposed to the the Test 11 and the casual cricket fan, you know, whenever someone made their debut, kind of would have gone, who's this? And they would have made their, uh, you know, had their first introduction to that player uh, in that first test. But with the advent of T20, you know, just by the sheer need for uh, players and the fact that I think, um, it is more accessible and has a, has a different skill set um, for uh, to to the longer forms of the game. Um, I think we're exposed to um, a greater depth of players, a greater number of players, um, and a, a number of players with a greater variety of of uh, skill sets. Um, you know, um, I mean, you've only got to think about uh, you, the rise of Dave Warner for one. Um, absolutely uh, ash agar fits in that as yeah. well i think ash, ashton agar's i think done extremely well ashton turner's another one
0: uh, chris, ashton turner chris, absolutely chris
1: lynn's making a name for himself almost exclusively aj ty who we've just spoken about's another one so these guys that kind of get exposure in pressure situations and, and you get a sense of how they perform nathan lyon started off as a as a t20 spinner for the uh, the redbacks South Australia b- before the advent of the BBL, so I think it's a it's a good vehicle a for engaging, um you know cricket fans who may not normally be engaged, and also exposing players to high pressure situations, um who may not normally have the opportunity to be exposed to those situations. So, um it's great from that point of view. I don't think it's necessarily um been the death of Test cricket that people predict- predicted that it would be. Um, I think it's a different. Product. If
0: anything, it's it's enhanced test cricket. It's meant there's the scoring rates mm. have gone up. That players now back themselves to be able to get any total, and, and that's made the game more exciting. So I, I think it definitely has done some good things, mate. Let's have a quick look at the squads here. Mm. Um, only recently announced. So the Aussie squad is David Warner captain, Finchy as vice captain, Agar, Alex Carey, Ben Dwarishes. I can't have cautious. I said that right. Dorseus, thank you. Uh, Travis Head, Chris Lynn, the Lynn Sanity is back. Maxwell, Kane Richardson, Darcy Short, Billy Stanlake, Marcus Thoinus, Ty and Zampa. Mm. And I've gotta say, mate, there is a lot of hitting in that lineup. That that is that is heavy hitters. Um, Agar can hit a ball. Carey can hit a ball a long way, let alone Chris Lynn, Glenn Maxwell, and Darcy Short. And Stoyness for that matter. I mean, Stoyness pumped. You were there, CTB. Mm. That 120-meter six. Mm. I mean, goodness. There's a lot of hitting there. Those boys can get going. Um, there's, a, there's a chance they can make a lot of runs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a really interesting side, isn't it? Um, you know, with the T20 World Cup coming up in 2020, uh, we yeah, that wasn't deliberate. Um, I see what they did there. I see what they did there. Um, it's, it's an interesting time. It's a great time to, to try out uh, a few different players and kind of settle on what your uh, you know best eleven is going to be. Um, you know, you'd obviously argue that Steve Smith would slot back into a best eleven if he was available. Um, Mitch Marsh is probably another one who's unlucky to miss um, and you know Stark and Cummins you're probably having your best 11 Um, but other than that you know there's seven spots up for grabs um, and uh, this squad will have their opportunity to prove their worth.
0: And I know they're short games Chris but there's a lot of games coming up like one two three four... At least four Australian 2020s coming up. It's quite a few games yeah. to play. So you, you, I think a lot of those players
1: are going to get a Guernsey.
0: Yeah, 100%. At some point. Are you excited about seeing any particular one of
1: those people? Uh, well, look, I, I've loved watching Ashton uh, Agar play. I think he's terrific. Uh, you know, um, obviously got, got the call-up for the Sydney Test match as well. So he's top of the selector's minds. Um, uh, excited to see Chris Ling play anytime I can. Uh, Glenn Maxwell, this is, you know, the dream format for him, really. Um, You know, so excited to see him play. I think the England squad as well is going to be pretty good. I mean, they're at full strength. They haven't sent anyone off to South Africa or New Zealand early. Um, So, it'll be really great to see what they can do. Um, You know, I think we've seen, as we talked about, um, Tom Curran. um, I think his brother Sam Curran is playing which is great. He is. Um, I think uh, Jason Roy is going to go We're going to need bang.
0: separate nicknames there, CTB. We're going to need those separate nicknames. I don't know. We're going to have them both being the date. Um.
1: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll have a think about that. Um, we'll work on that. Interesting enough, one name in the England squad is Ben Stokes. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I think David Willey is going to be terrific to watch. Mark Wood, the same. Um, and... And New Zealand, you know, uh, no pushovers either. Kane Williamson's always a pleasure um, to watch him play, one of the great batsmen in world cricket.
0: Absolutely. Probably the most technically correct batsman going around. Yeah. It, it just looks glorious to watch him. And also my favourite name of any cricketer is Colin de Grunholm, uh, yeah. who's just the guy. He's also a, a bit of a bigger unit and uh, he bowls some pretty good medium paces. I, I really like Colin de Grunholm. I like watching I, him play. I
1: could be wrong, but is that a literal... French translation to Colin of Big Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be
0: right, mate. I think you might be right. I'm going to Google that while you go through the rest of the uh, Kiwi squad there, mate.
1: Yeah. So, look, Will- Williamson, as we talked about, one of the best batsmen in world cricket. Blundell. Uh, Trent Bolt is a, is a good bowler there. Tom Bruce. Uh, Colin, Big Man. Uh, we're just giving a bit of a Google. <laughs>
0: It means of grand home, of grand man. Right. Oh, that, that is incredible.
1: Um and then um Guptil, you know, uh, can do some damage with the bat. Um I must admit I don't know about much about uh, Anaru Kitchen. Um let's hope he can cook something up. <laughs> oh, that's someone like that doll. That was terrible. That stunk. Colin Munro, <laughs> days with the Balls, Seth Rance, I don't know a lot about, I must admit. Mitchell Santner.
0: I remember Mitchell Santner. He came out there here a little while ago. He wasn't too bad.
1: Not too bad. Isha is a decent spin bowler. Tim South is very handy with the ball. Ross Taylor, as we know, can hit it a long way. And Ben Wheeler, I must admit, I don't know much about.
0: I was really hoping that they'd bring out Mark Craig, uh, who is renowned for being the uh, tastiest pie merchant <laughs> in international <laughs> yes. cricket. Uh, players world over come to see Mark Craig to buy some of his tasty, tasty pies. You know, you, you don't even need to buy them. He just hands them out at will. Sure. Um, <laughs> watching him bowl a David Warner at the wacker was uh, was a hell of a thing. Uh, it directly translates to a great man, CTP, ah. uh, which is possibly the best. That is from uh, Collins French to English Dictionary there, folks, if you'd like to Google it yourselves. Uh, which is the best last name anybody's ever had? Uh, if you ask this this handsome cricket commentator, sure. it's it's right up Colin, there. Colin it's right of it's right up there with being Lloyd the the Cardinal Pope. Um, CTB, let's have a little think here, mate. Who do you think is going to take this little tri series out at the start of the series? Who's your little cheeky oh, tip
1: there? Oh, hard to say. Hard to say. I think um, England has the most complete squad for me. Um, I think. Their their form in ODIs is pretty irresistible. Um, this will be a brand new squad for Australia. Um, not a lot of continuity on from last season either. Um, personally disappointed not to see Maxi Klinger get another run. Um, oh, I I, I what a legend. hold a candle for Maxi Klinger. Um, but um, you know, I think it, I think England for me is the most complete squad. Australia will do well on home turf, but I think uh. The fact that uh, the team hasn't played a lot together could pose a problem. Um, And uh, New Zealand, um, I think, you know, will win a couple of games. Uh, But, uh, yeah, just not as strong as England or Australia for me.
0: Yeah, I think that analysis is pretty spot on, CTB. Uh, just because I'm I'm just a patriotic guy, and it was recently uh, Invasion Day slash Australia Day, I am going to go for the Aussies and say that we're going to pull it out of the proverbial bag, if Lynn. Chris Lynn stays fit and starts hitting him. Uh, he will be unstoppable. Uh, the, you're absolutely right about the English squad. It is really, really, really full on. Uh, so I, I can absolutely agree with your tip there. But I'm going to back the Aussies because that's just the kind of guy that I am. One man who won't be backing the Aussies is Tom K. Hawkey. Let's hear from him for a British Bulletin.
2: Hello, Tom K. Hawkey here with your final bulletin from a Brit. Game 4 was all about the near embarrassment for England, being reduced to 8 for 5, or 5 for 8 if you insist. Never let it be said that Englishmen are anything short of gentlemen. We were clearly throwing the game away to give you guys a bit of cheer on Australia Day. However, Chris Wokes didn't get the memo and came out to smack a most glorious 78 from 82 balls. What a series he's had with the bat. However, the game had been lost in those first few devastating overs and Head guided Australia through to the whitewash-averting victory. But then, what a thriller Game 5 was. England have historically been rather good at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Finally, they've managed to switch that around. Australia looked to be calmly chipping away the runs, with Stoinis blasting Australia to 189 for 4, or fall for 189 if you really insist. It was Tom Curran who took the catch-off Stoyness and proceeded to bowl a most delectable spell of bowling. It's one of my favourite things to see in cricket when one guy is bowling so much better than his teammates. You watch an over of another bloke bowling without any threat or guile and in the background you see the informed player chomping at the bit to get through the over and sling his own missiles down. That player in this match was Tom Curran, and boy did he bowl well. It made for great drama at the end, and his celebration was all over the papers the next day. You know the one. Running forward, screaming out with his hands behind his ears. It kind of looks like he's doing a standing sit-up. This one-day series has showed us that Steve Smith is human after all. When someone has tormented your team for so long, it's refreshing to see him falter. 687 runs in the ashes... Just 102 in the ODIs. Lovely stuff. In the end, England were definitely the better team over five games, but not by much. I almost wish one of those first three games had gone Australia's way so that Curran's performance could go down as one of the great series clinches of all time. This England ODI squad have now won 19 out of 22 games, a mightily impressive vein of form. Fingers crossed that we can now see a similar run develop in the test team starting against the Kiwis on March 22nd. Briefly, Root going unsold at the IPL auction was a surprise. He hasn't had much T20 pedigree, and maybe he didn't set either of these two series on fire with some blistering batting. But Root is clearly a talent who knows his cricket and can hit the ball. His innings steadied England throughout this ODI series. And whilst steady batting isn't sexy enough for the IPL, Root's still a dangerous player. Meanwhile, Ben Stokes, who spent the last few months under a dark cloud and hasn't padded at once, went for two and a half million Aussie dollars. The IPL auction is a crazy thing.
0: It absolutely is. And a big thank you to Tom, even though uh, it kind of breaks my heart to say that. Uh, we deserve this, though, Chris. You know, we were so smug after the test series. We had this. We had it coming. We
1: had it coming. We had it coming. Look, we were, we were celebrating the Grand Orms. Yeah. And- <laughs> You know, we thought we were we were Pat and Chris de Home. We um, did. We thought it in our hearts. You know, but we were Pat de Grandholm. Oh,
0: goodness.
1: Uh, hey. Come for the cricket, stay for the culture. That's all I have oh, to I say. My, my high school French teacher, Andrea Rule, would be very happy with that. <laughs> uh, Potentially not, actually. I don't know. Uh, probably um, not. But if Andrea Rule is listening, rubbish. please send us a message. We'd love to know yeah. about our She tradition. had the greatest nickname, too. Um, it was because uh, her name was uh, Andrea Rule. So that was back in the day uh, when Jar Rule was quite popular. So it started with Andrea Jar Rule was her nickname. <laughs> uh-huh. And then it was, um, of course, Andre3000. So it was uh-huh. Andre. Ice, Andrea Ice Cold 3000 Ja Rule. Um, <laughs> One of those really
0: compact, easy to say nicknames.
1: Oh, it was brilliant. It was scrolled right across my pencil case. Um, <laughs> so, shout out. Shout out Julian Turco, too, who came up with that. Uh, uh, love that guy. What a great guy.
0: What a great guy. Uh, good work, Mr. Turco, as always. All right, CTB, that's us. Let's get out of here. Any final thoughts, mate, before we kick it?
1: Uh, Yep, Perth Stadium, bloody good. Get around it, get down.
0: (laughs) Succinct, to the point. I love it. Thank you very much, Chris, for being with me. Thanks to our British correspondent, Tom K. Hawkey. Thanks to you all for listening to this pod and keeping us going. We're up over 350 listens, which is just ridiculous. So thank you all so much. Uh, if you'd like to take a moment and, and review us on iTunes, put some stars in there. That'd be amazing. It really helps us out. Uh, and find us on Facebook. Continue the conversation. Get involved. Send us your favorite memes. We do enjoy that nonsense. My name is Patrick Cullen. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. And go those Aussies.